Hello and welcome to the words we use. Have you ever struggled with finding the right words to give meaning, depth, and clarity to your message? We have, and that's exactly what we're going to examine. Come along with us as we expand our communication knowledge. TWWU team, please introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Pat. Hi, I'm Sue. Hi, I'm Sarah. Hi, I'm Carissa. Hi, I'm Bill. Hi, I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Gary. And we are the Word Reviews. Welcome to the Words We Use podcast. Today's podcast is called Complain, 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 where we're going to discuss complaining. In fact, we're even going to complain a little ourselves, but we're going to do it nicely. A better description would be we're going to express some concerns about the way people complain. Now, before we get started, I'd like to introduce you to today's participating members. Pat is in a healthcare industry and right smack dab in the middle of this COVID-19 crisis. Pat, can you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Pat, a registered nurse, and I work in a COVID building where we have active COVID patients. There are none on my unit, but it is a concern. Here. Thank you. Carissa also works in healthcare. Carissa? Hi, I'm Carissa, and I'm usually working in customer service at the front desk with checking patients in. Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> Sue, you work with preschool children, right? Yes, I'm Sue and I have worked with preschool children for many years. And of course, we are not able to work with them at the moment as school is not in session, but we do some things through the internet. Lisa, I can't imagine you complaining to anyone. You work in the hospitality industry, correct? That's right, Gary. Hi, I'm Lisa. I've been in the hospitality industry for about 35 years. I started out in a hospital kitchen, moved into restaurants, hotels, catering, and ended up in the private club circuit. So I've enjoyed doing it, but it does involve working with customers and clients and pleasing them and making sure that you can make their dining experience the best possible experience that it can be. And I've enjoyed it. Sarah, from what I understand, you get to manage property. Is that correct? Yes. For most of my life, I've been a property manager, so I have had to deal with all sorts of very imaginative and also very, a lot of times it, it is something that needs to be complained about. So sometimes I'm glad they bring it to my attention, and sometimes it's like, really? You cannot change a light bulb yourself? Those types of things. <laughs> and Bill, here in retail sales, sort of. You mostly assemble displays, from what I understand, but occasionally you have to assist customers, right? Well, basically, yes. Hi, I'm Bill, and while I'm mostly retired, I have a retirement job at Home Depot where I do set up displays and take down displays and re-put them up. Not so often have to deal with customers, and sometimes they're not so happy. Uh, yeah, I imagine there's a lot of them out there like me. And then there's <laughs> me, Gary. My experience is mostly with coworkers. I've also have six years of coaching and directing a youth sports association, and of course, dealing with the dreaded interfering parents. Each of us has experience having to deal with people who seem to feel almost entitled to complain, like it's their right or even their duty. So I'm gonna ask each of our panelists a question. They will relate short incidents of their own and explain how they dealt with those people. Remember panelists, 
feel free to offer suggestions or sympathy of your own. <laughs> now, Lisa, you are one of the most accommodating people I know. It's difficult to imagine you complaining. In your opinion, why do people complain? That's a great question. I think people complain because they want to be validated and they want to be heard. I think they have an issue, they're disgruntled about something, and oftentimes I think they just want to know that their message is heard. So I don't think it's always the case where people are complaining because they have an issue with what's taking place at hand. They just want to vent their frustration. And sometimes if you just stop and say, I hear your words, if nothing else, just acknowledge that you heard what they said. You might not agree, you might not be able to solve it, but I think people just wanna feel heard. They wanna feel that you're empathizing with them. And even in the midst of their disgruntled and sparky, snarky rebuttal to you, they wanna know that you hear them and that you're acknowledging them and acknowledging what they're going through at that time, which is extremely important to them. And you have to acknowledge that. Did you ever have to deal directly with the customers in your work? You know, I did. I've been in the hospitality industry for the past 35 years, and predominantly I've been on the culinary side. So I've been kind of behind the scenes, but I have had to work out in the front of the house, as we call it. There's the front of the house where you deal right out directly with the customers. You're actually kind of out in the restaurant where the action is going on. And then there's the back of the house, which deals with the back of the kitchen. So oftentimes I would have to work at live action stations, whether it was an omelet station for brunch or a carving station. And you would get a lot of very particular, interesting customers that wanted their eggs done just a certain way. And if you didn't get it right, they were more than happy to come back and have a conversation with you. So yes, people do complain and they do have conversations with you. And especially when you're out in the public's eye, you just have to smile. You know, you've got a dialogue going in your head about, yeah, I'll fix your eggs, all right? Just come back in a couple minutes and I'll have your egg ready for you. But you have to smile and you have to listen to them and just say, you know what? I'm sorry you had this experience. How can I make your dining experience better? I would be happy to redo that entire omelet because I didn't know you had an allergy to tomatoes, onions, peppers, cheese, and dairy. My bad. Come back. Holy cow. Wow. <laughs> so people in restaurants actually complain. You know, sometimes they do, but other times I think it's just sometimes people have certain particular requests that they want. And so sometimes I feel that customers feel like they're entitled. You know, I paid for this sandwich. Therefore, if I didn't want it to come with tomatoes and I get home and I find out there's tomatoes on it, I'm going to be angry and I'm going to be upset. And you're going to phone call. I'm going to come back and have a conversation with you or a complaint because you know what? I can't eat tomatoes, so why did you put them on my sandwich? So yes, people can complain in the hospitality industry, not always, but sometimes they do, and some are more tactful than others. And I think as people in the service industry, we have to find a way to navigate that. There's kind of a fine line between letting the customer blow off their steam and then kind of trying to levitate the situation and make them feel validated. But yet at the same time, you can't accommodate everybody as we know. There's Sure. When I asked that question, it was just a hint of sarcasm in my voice because my wife was a manager at a major restaurant chain and she used to tell me stories. There were a few customers that would automatically complain because they knew if they did, they'd get compensated. Oh, yes. Sure. Anybody else run into that? Anybody else do that? No. It's called That's the tax coupon. That's what we call it, the compensation coupon. If you complain enough, they're fine. You say, okay, fine. We're just going to comp that and write it off. It's on the house. You don't have to pay for it. And then the whole table goes silent. 
I have been on both sides. I've waitressed and I've also, having waitressed, when I do get food that is cold, burnt, etc., I tend to bring it to the attention of the server and the server apologizes and realizes that, yeah, that's not okay. And that I appreciate. I don't always get other people at the table who have had food that isn't the way, is not presented the way it should be. And they do not want to complain. But I do know that for the most part, people in restaurants or managers especially are aware that sometimes the food does come out cold or burnt. And it's not okay to be presenting that to the customers. And so they're more than willing to bring out another meal or give you comp for that. So I did a little research on this subject and I discovered something interesting. There's mm -hmm. hundreds of websites offering advice on how to complain effectively. Why would that be? Aren't these websites just encouraging us to make life difficult for others? Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. There are way, way more websites than I even had a chance to look at. However, the person has to be motivated enough to get to a website to find out how to complain. Often they'll just yell. It helps if they have some type of resolution in mind. Some of the websites provide that information. If you're going to complain, what is it that you want as a result? They also talk about complaining nicely so that you can not piss off the person providing the service and that person would spend more time listening to you. I've also seen that many of these websites have lawyers attached to them. That I thought was interesting. Then the other website that I saw was about complaining and that the people who were mad that complained were helpful to the companies that they complained to because the companies that would then take the time to figure out what it was they needed to change. Now, I don't know about the mad part. I can understand where people appreciate the input so that they can improve their company. But I thought that was interesting that if people complain and were mad that it made more of a change in the company. Anybody else take a look at these numerous websites and see what they had to offer? But there's something like the best eight consumer complaint websites of 2016. The six best complaint sites for pissed off consumers. What are the best websites for con customer complaint? 10 effective ways to file a complaint about a company online. Filing a consumer complaint with the U.S. government. Ask pension lawyers. Have website complaints? Ask an online law advisor, and I could go on and on. Carissa, it sounds like dealing with complaints is part of your job description. Mm -hmm. When you're on the receiving end of a complaint, how does that make you feel? Well, most of the time when I get a complaint, initially I feel like it's directly towards me, like I wasn't doing my job for them. But then I kind of realize that they're just upset in general and maybe there's something else that they're going through, especially being in the medical field. And I'm the person that they see first and I have to take their money for their co-pays. And then they're probably already upset about their insurance. And then them asking, why do I have to pay $50 every time I come here? And most of the time, I would say I'm not really sure because I honestly didn't at the time. And then trying to explain that to them sometimes made them angrier. And other times they would be like, well, I guess I'll just call my insurance and try to figure out something. But in general, I try to make it not about myself because it isn't. I've had times where patients would come up and say, well, or call, because I used to work at a call center, which 
I don't wish upon anybody to be perfectly <laughs> to be perfectly honest. But they would call and say, I need to speak to my doctor directly. Of course, I can't do that. I don't have your doctor's home phone number because they're human beings and they need that separation and trying to explain that to them. It gets pretty hard, but the longer you do it, the better you get at it. If it's a face-to-face, usually I'm sitting down and they start complaining and yelling and getting hot under the collar. I learned that by standing up, and actually looking them in the face, it changes their attitude a lot. You don't have to do it in an aggressive way. You can just simply just stand up and say, I'm sorry, this is happening, and I can't help you at this time, but maybe I can find someone that can. But otherwise, I try not to take it too personally. I've been having run-ins with people in the medical industry. Some of them are nice, but then there's a few that just, they're condescending. I feel like they've got more important things to do than deal with me or anybody else for that matter. Now, Pat? Yes. As I mentioned, you're in the middle of this COVID-19 thing, and while you may not have to deal directly with infected patients, you got to have other issues this pandemic is causing. How is that going? First of all, At the very start of it, I was talking to my boss and her boss, the assistant director of nurses, back in February asking, we knew it was coming because you watched the TV and got the reports from China and then Italy. You know, we were probably a few weeks behind Italy. And I would ask, well, what are we doing? Where are the supplies? And nobody would answer me. I would just get, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Well, We've got to get prepared. I mean, have we got masks? So indirectly, I started gathering masks that we had on our unit. I have an isolation closet for PPE. I gathered that and I locked it up so it wouldn't start disappearing. Also the bleach wipes, the Oxivir wipes. But we still didn't get any answers from administration on our preparedness. It was just like there was no communication to allay the fears with anybody. They may have had communication with the higher ups, but nobody else knew about it, which caused a lot of anxiety. And then finally, they started communicating about making a COVID floor, which was right above my floor. So I was in the COVID building, it was announced, which is right above me. And um, we've had patients on my unit that have been sick, but it wasn't COVID, it was just momentary. There is definitely a lack of communication on what to do and to be proactive. So that's my major complaint, but there's no education as well. Educating all the staff and isolation techniques and hand washing, because we have many people from many different countries. It's like working at the UN and not everybody has been educated on isolation techniques, proper hand washing, how to put on an isolation gown, how how to disinfect things. So there's just definitely a lack of communication. You have to take on some of this yourself and people get annoyed with it? I was educating my staff back in February, getting them prepared, telling them we're going to wash things down at the the beginning of our shift and the end of our shift. And every shift was doing this. So it takes 30 days to make create a habit and get a habit going. So I made sure we were wiping things down with disinfectant wipes. My boss was getting upset with me because she felt, and it was her own anxiety, but she felt I was making everybody anxious. Actually, I was communicating. I felt it was better to talk and be able to discuss 
and have open communication rather than trying to hide with your head in the sand. So there have been no active COVID cases on my unit as of yesterday. We're Everybody's trained, hand washing, isolation techniques. The minute somebody has, we're, we're taking everybody's temperature every day, every shift. The minute a temperature is at 100 degrees orally, they go into isolation precautions, which means they can't go out of their room. And we have to gown and glove when we go in their room. Currently, we're all wearing masks and the, the clear plastic visors. But when somebody goes into isolation, then we wear the gown and everything is done per protocol by the CDC. And sometimes the temperature can be up for a day and there's no other symptoms. And they're, so they're in isolation for a week. They can't come out of their room. So we've been okay. But it's just mainly education. And, and now administration is becoming more forthwith. We did file um, a grievance with the Minnesota Nurses Association towards our administration. We sent them a letter with our concerns. And now as of Friday, we're all getting the actual N95 mask. The only people that had the masks were the actual COVID floor. Here's a particular incident that you're telling us about that complaining actually did pay off. Yeah. And luckily, you know, we have the backing of, it's a, it's a professional organization, but it's a union. So we have the backing of that and we're complaining about it. And people can see, I mean, nurses are getting sick. Nurse, there's been at least eight or nine staff out in my building who have contracted COVID. My manager contracted COVID last week, the one that was so afraid of everything. She contracted COVID last week. So she's out. People are recovering, but it is paying off. Well, you mentioned that you're having to work long hours, so apparently you're short staff, but aren't you in a management situation where you got to rearrange your resources, so to speak? Well, we do. That's the other concern because we are short of staff, so I'm having to do my job, which is the head nurse. It's called basically a head nurse. And then I'm on a medication cart because we don't have enough nurses to pass medications. So I'm doing my job in passing medications. And then the ward secretary, she got furloughed. So now I'm acting as ward secretary and ordering supplies. So it's a lot of, I'm taking on a, a lot of hats. So I come home and I'm pretty much fried. My brain is just about fried. And, and you get full cooperation from all your coworkers. Yes, yes. My coworkers are, are doing great. And for all, all in all, my unit is pretty good. If they have to float to another unit, they understand it. The, the COVID unit has now their own staff. People have actually volunteered to go to that floor and work, which amazes me. It's just, I'm very proud of these people great. just going into the battle. Nice to hear. Sarah, wouldn't it be nice to be able to anticipate when someone's going to complain and then ask them to be nice? What's the best complaint you've ever received? I have a property over by the U of M, and we got a call rather late complaining about the downstairs. Now, for some reason on a duplex, if it's an up and down duplex, they're always fighting. But if it's side to side, they seem to be getting along. But this was an up and down. And so they called us. It was, I don't know, the middle of the night. The downstairs was having a party. And so Sydney was going, well, why don't you just call the police? Oh, no, you're the landlord. You have to call the police, blah, blah, blah. So Sydney called the police. They, they went over there. They calmed down the situation. But, of course, 
after that, you can't sleep because you're wide awake. So Sydney decided we should wait an hour and call these tenants back just to make sure that their complaint has been fully taken care of. And so he waited an hour. So it's like two o'clock in the morning, called them back and said, so did the police arrive? Is everything okay? Blah, blah, blah. And they were just like, shut up and let me sleep. They didn't even <laughs> want to hear from us. Sometimes I, I get a little bit mean, but it depends on if I think they, and it, it was a valid complaint that time, but sometimes if somebody has complained a lot, they're just complaining all the time about little things that don't really matter. I get impatient. So, but that's the only time I go out of my way to help a renter because they just had such a bad attitude and I was tired of them. I really sympathize for what you go through. Well, usually people are pretty nice, but, but some people get like, I remember one time there was a plumbing issue and we got a plumber out there fairly quickly, but it was late at night. The guy kept following me around, reminding me that his uncle was a lawyer. It doesn't matter if your uncle's a lawyer or not. We can only fix this so quickly. <laughs> and if you're going to sue me, just sue me. I don't care. Calm down. But it was like, sometimes people don't know when to quit complaining. If you're taking care of the problem, don't keep, the problem is being taken care of. Don't keep complaining. Let the people who are handling the problem take care of it. And sometimes people don't want to do that. They want to keep just going on and on and on, even though it's not going to help the situation. Yeah, that squeaky wheel. Sometimes you just want to replace it rather than grease it. Yeah. Bill, there was a time when I wouldn't complain, wouldn't complain, would build up and build up until I had to release the pressure somehow. It's a technique I learned from my dad. However, I can't see you ever getting nasty towards someone just because you thought you were right. So what's the most effective complaint you've ever made? Gary, you're right. I do not get nasty when I have to complain, especially when I'm right, because I generally think the facts will speak for themselves and everything will be made whole. I think the most effective complaint I ever made was, oddly enough, in a restaurant. And I don't want to harp on restaurants because... Well, they're not always at fault, and sometimes just things happen, and we have unrealistic expectations. But my most effective complaint did happen in a restaurant nearby where I live. And, well, the facts were I, I like my burgers well done. In fact, I like them so well done, I tell the waitress, if, you, if they burn it back there, I will not complain. Because generally it won't come back burned, but it'll come back well done. And that's how I want it. Well, we, I, I made my order. My wife and daughter, they made their orders, and my burger was raw. Literally, it was raw on the inside. And so I called the waiter, waitress over, and I have a rule. We all have a rule here. You do not get the waitress or waiter upset. Never. Get the person who's serving you food. Don't ever get them angry. And so I politely explained. Remember, I said I wanted it well done, and well, look at it. It's, it's raw. So she took it back, brought it back again. It was still raw. Yeah, the fries were great. So I finished the fries, but I could not eat that burger. And at the end of the meal, when she came back, she looked at the burger and she said, oh, they made him a big mistake back there. She tried to correct it. She did take it off our bill. And I told her she didn't have to because I, you know, I understand these things do happen. She took it off our bill and I don't know what happened after that. But what she didn't know is I'm a reviewer for TripAdvisor. And I had had a reason to do a review that night. And I wanted to do it while it was fresh in my mind. And the title of the review 
was go there for the service, but don't stay for the food. <laughs> and I explained what happened, and I also explained that the waitress was great. She, she was responsive. She was alert. She took care of our table really, really well. It was in the back of the restaurant that they screwed up, not her. And I wanted to make that very clear in my review. So that's about the best complaint I've ever had. Now, having said that, I don't deal with many customers at Home Depot. Uh, and when I do, they're generally not angry or they don't have a complaint. And, and really, people don't have a lot of complaints about Home Depot. We sell products, and if the product doesn't work, we will accommodate them as best we can, generally by replacing it or giving them their money back right away. Really, no questions asked. So there are very few complaints about Home Depot. Where I used to work, my career job, when I was selling retirement plans, occasionally there'd be an instance where something didn't happen the way the customer or client expected it to happen. And you know, once in a while, very rarely, I, mean, I make mistakes too. And once in a while, it was my mistake. But this one occasion that I have in mind was not my mistake. It was the intermediary, the person who brought us together with the client had made a big mistake. And we tried to deal with it as effectively as we could, but the customer, the client didn't understand that. He had no idea because he gave the order to the intermediary who messed it up, who gave it to us. And the customer, the client, had absolutely no clue that something was wrong and wondered why it was taking so long to get his retirement plan installed and up and running. It happened just by accident that I was in the neighborhood with on another client visit. And I thought, well, you know, I'm nearby this client. I'm going to stop in and, and see how things are going, not knowing there were any of these other issues going on. Well, this guy tied into me like I had created all of these problems and made him lose money and all this stuff. When I thought about it, luckily I'm pretty cool under pressure. I thought about what he said and I remembered what had happened with the broker, the investment professional in the middle. I have to say, I'm going to toot my own horn, I masterfully explained it to him and he came away pretty happy with our services because once I explained what the broker had not done to facilitate this, he was pretty happy with us that we had fixed the problem, but he had no idea that this had happened and would not have known had I not stopped in just because I was in the neighborhood. So sometimes dealing with customers who are irate really is, isn't isn't a bad thing. I kind of enjoy it because especially when I know I can fix it. Uh, and I and then when I walked into this not knowing anything about it, not knowing I was going to step in something I shouldn't have. Sometimes it works out really well, and the stars aligned and, and it worked. I've found out that just walking up to somebody with a smile when you know you're going to be complaining helps a lot because oh, it doesn't yeah. put them on the defensive. It looks like you're just yeah. being friendly, but you're expressing a concern. Yeah. And when you're in the service industry, Gary, the first thing you need to do is apologize. You know, okay, recognize that there's a problem. Apologize for it, even though you didn't do it. And then my first response is always, yes, I want to fix this. Not, no, I can't do anything about it. Go see somebody else. I can't do that. At least I couldn't back then. Now today at Home Depot, yes, I can get an assistant manager or the manager and they can deal with it. And I don't have to because it's not my job and I can't make promises for the store. But in my career, yeah, there were things that I could do to, to fix things. So my first answer, my first response, I always tried to make, yes, I can fix this. Huh, that's nice. When I was coaching and running the Youth Sports Association, I actually learned this when I worked at Control Data. And made us take some classes on how to deal with difficult people. Being agreeable, taking the wind out of their sails, so to speak, by just agreeing with them instead of butting heads with them worked wonders because I had to deal with all kinds of complaining parents. I was on my way to the field with a bag of equipment in my hand one time, and a woman walked up to me and started complaining because the fields weren't scheduled fairly. And I listened to her for a while, and I said, yes, I'll take a look at that, and I'll rearrange things if I can. 
I can't promise anything. And she kept pushing, kept pushing. She wasn't going to release me until she got her way. So I said, okay, you can see that I have a team that I have to go coach. I have the bag of equipment in my hand, and yet you don't seem to care about that. I'm late now. So explain to me why I should care. If you don't care about my situation, why I should care about yours? And she said, well, and I turned and I walked away. She confronted me after the games were over. And I just shrugged my shoulders. I said, I'll do what I can do. That's all I can promise. It's more confusing to people to start changing field assignments now than to just leave it the way it is. And then next year, we can take another look at it. What good does that do now? Sorry, but nothing. Again, let me take a look at it. Maybe I can rearrange it. Maybe there's some vacancies on this field that I can let you guys have. Just a question to all of you. I have a friend. If I start complaining, he'll tell me it is what it is. That used to irritate me. That's like, shouldn't we just accept things the way they are and quit complaining? You know, it could be worse. So why should we complain? Well, one thing is that somebody will listen to us vent, and that might be all we need. Another piece is, is that it's valid because you need to get the service or information. Also, sometimes the situation does need to change. The person you're complaining to might not realize there's a problem there. So in those types of situations, it is beneficial to complain just so that they become aware of the problem. That's a good point. I used to work with a manager and he would oftentimes say, my door is always open, but I don't want you crossing my threshold and sitting down and having a conversation about a complaint or a concern unless you're willing to bring two or three resolutions or solutions that we can collaboratively be a part of to make this better than it used to be. So rather than just coming in and saying, well, this is my disgruntled complaint, blah, 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 blah. Then he would follow it up and say, okay, and what two to three resolutions do you recommend that we could change this to make it better and positive and go upward instead of backwards? And so I thought that was kind of interesting. Gives people a different reference or a mindset. You know, I want to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And you know, I heard something similar to that on public radio, one of their shows, and it reminded me of a situation at work where my boss thought he was pretty smart. He'd sit us down and say, okay, are there any issues? And we'd bring them up and then he'd turn it on us. He'd say, okay, what are you going to do about it? After a while, people stopped complaining. And on the NPR show, somebody pointed out that that backfires because managers will never hear about the real serious problems because nobody wants to get stuck trying to tackle it. And if they can't re resolve it, then they look bad. So the real issues never get raised. I used to work for a, a bank and they'd have a meeting. They'd bring us all together and they wanted our input. They always said they wanted our input. We'd give our input and then it was like it never happened. They never heard us. If you're complaining and it's never addressed, it made morale very low because we knew that this was just a sham, that they were not really interested or would not even take into account what we were trying to say. So that can be one way it backfires. And if you're loyal to the organization, you want to know what's going on with your clients, with your employees. You want to know what's going on. There's an employee that's new, not doing a good job and giving the organization a bad face. You want to know about it and correct it. So you don't want to put it back on the employees. Well, what do you want to do about it? Sometimes that works a little bit, but it's not what you want to do about it. What can we do about it? You make it inclusive. What are we going to do about it as a group? How can we all work on it? If it's appropriate, sometimes it's not.
That's what I would think. Had to deal with a woman who claimed she was being an advocate for her child and complaining that her child was not getting the playing time that she thought she deserved. Chris, are you going to be one of those parents? <laughs> I really hope not. Because growing up, I used to play soccer. And as a little child, I would see those types of parents. And for me personally, knowing the kids that they were talking about, most of the time, they weren't actually that good at playing in the first place. I really hope that I'm more of the type of parent that would go to the coach and ask why my kid isn't playing enough. Because if it's something that I can help my child get better at, I feel that that would be a more productive way. Because if my kid is terrible at soccer or baseball or whatever, then maybe it would be better to find something different for them to do with their time. So I really hope I'm not that type of person. And I think those parents that do that may be living vicariously through their child. Yeah. And then they just like, well, if they need to be there because I never was or I was like this and why aren't they that? And then maybe not accepting that that's just the best your child can do. And that's perfectly fine. Nobody complains to their spouses, right? <laughs> Oh, not going to go there. Okay. Complain pure. Complain. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Whoa, time out. Yeah, I complain once in a while. Look, when Beth and I were dating, we get into these arguments and we realized early on nobody was going to win and it's just going to get worse. So what we did, we decided as we were dating, we weren't even seriously considered being a long-term couple. We decided to go to counseling to find out how we could argue and complain to each other and not kill each other and not ruin the relationship. So yeah, I think complaining to your spouse sometimes works. Good idea. I heard a quote once that said, is it more important to be right or is it more important to have peace? So oftentimes if I'm in conflict with somebody that resonates with me and I stop and think, okay, what's more important that I come out on top and be right? More important to just step away and just let it be rather than stirring the pot. I don't know if anyone has any experience with that. Well, I have some thoughts about that. Yeah, I think sometimes when something is, has gone wrong, obviously you want it to get fixed and, and made right. If you're the one bringing the complaint, yeah, you want to be right. You, you want to be right. Yes, you want peace, but you also want to be right. And sometimes there's a trade-off, obviously. But I think standing up for yourself, not being aggressive, but being at least a bit assertive can really go a long way. And it gives the other person pause. You know, they think, oh, I need to respect this person's feelings. So I think being a squeaky wheel sometimes, you're not overly squeaky, but just being assertive of your dignity, your own personal dignity and rights is a good thing. So how do we That's, know when that is? How do we know when we're not just whining, but we actually have something legitimate? Well, Gary, I'm always right, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lisa, I have had that experience. When we first got married, I tried not to complain about anything, but then it would get all stuffed up inside of me and I would have to do something to let it out. And I also know that approaching my spouse when he's upset about something already, that's not a good time to actually for anybody to talk to you about a concern that you want changed. So finding a time that's appropriate, and sometimes it takes a while to find that time, then being able to, of course, present it from my point of view, I feel instead of you did this, as we've all learned throughout workshops that we've taken, that has helped. 
to that, going off of what Bill said, my husband and I did go to counseling as well before we had our child, just to make sure that everything was okay prior to that. And we discovered together that it's not our job to guess what the other person wants, but to hear the other person's needs. People aren't mind readers. And if you're very vague about your complaint or what you want, it just makes things in my opinion, a little bit worse or convoluted because you're trying to figure out what you can do to fix the problem. And I know a lot of times males focus on fixing a problem. It's like, oh, well, how can we fix it instead of taking the time to hear what the other person needs to understand that it's okay to not fix the problem as well. And I've learned that in customer service that sometimes people just need to vent and then you let them and you say, I heard what you said and I apologize for what you've been through. Most of the time they say, okay, and thank you. And then they move on. So I think the whole not trying to be a mind reader and to try to be clear about your needs is always helpful, especially if you are complaining because you want, if you want something fixed, then you should probably say what you want to be fixed, what you want to have fixed, instead of just being like, oh, well, this is cold, do something about it, which is pretty good. Something I've started telling people, I think the majority of problems between people is when person A expects person B to do something and expects person B to know what that is. I know I've had to stop and think before I get angry with anybody. Does that person know that I expected them to do something? Too many times it's been no, they don't know. And is it worth bringing up? As long as you bring it up nicely, say this might be a problem and then let them think about it for a little while before I expect an answer. Don't put them on the spot. Anybody else run into that? I have in some work experiences. I think, as Gary alluded to, I think it's very important to have crystal clear communication because I've oftentimes found when there's been complaints or disruptions between coworkers, oftentimes they didn't know where I was coming from. In my head, I had a clear vision and a plan when I was in management, how I wanted something to be executed. But in their mind, they didn't realize because I hadn't clearly laid out kind of that verbal roadmap. And after I did that, they would come to me and say, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Why didn't you say that from the get-go rather than have us, you know, punch out 500 pieces of something and then 10 minutes before service, it's like, oh, it wasn't supposed to get this or it wasn't supposed to get that. You know, I had the vision in my head, but because of lack of communication and just reiterating what needed to be done, I think oftentimes can eliminate that process of confusion or people complaining. They just need to know. So sometimes I think we can oversimplify something just to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Thanks for listening to today's The Word We Use podcast on complaining. Hopefully, we've given some insight on how it feels to be the person receiving the complaint. I'm sure most people have been in that situation. I think if we keep the golden rule in mind when we feel we have a legitimate complaint, that we'd have more success and a better experience. In short, just be nice. I second that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yep, I agree as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. I guess that's enough complaining. Thank you for listening to the words we use. Own your voice and make your words matter. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review.